If you have your Bibles, open them to the book of Acts, chapter 1, and verse 1. The book of Acts, chapter 1, and verse 1. I'm going to read a few verses there, and then I want to pray over the Word as we get into it today. Acts chapter 1, in verse 1, it says, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Father, thank you for your word. As we approach it today, forgive us of our sin. As we forgive those who have sinned against us, I thank you, Lord, that you uh, unify our hearts in your presence today. Uh, Lord, that you incline our ear to what you would say. And Holy Spirit, that you translate to each heart what we need from you today. Give us today our daily bread in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, in our, in our last section on uh, the little series we were doing on those that love the appearing of Jesus, right, out of 2 Timothy, Paul said, there's a crown of righteousness reserved not only for me, but for all those who have loved his appearing. We talked about all the places and all the ways that Jesus shows up in our life. And last week we talked about the church, right? How the church is many members, but one body in Christ, that we're united with him and united by him with each other. Talked about how we need the church. We need the church. And the church needs us, and it makes a difference, right? We, we went out the, the saying that we've all heard of, well, all I need is Jesus in my Bible. That's all I need. And we went at that pretty hard because I don't know how you would have gotten them without the church, right? I don't know how you would have gotten them without the church or why well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, right? And that is true. And, and the other half of that that we talked about is that you don't have to go home to be married, but man, it sure does help the relationship, doesn't it? It sure does make the marriage a lot healthier when you actually go home. It sure does make you healthier as a member of the body when you are in fellowship with the body. And I won't go back through everything that we went through. Obviously, that's that's recorded if you want to go back through it. But here in the book of Acts, we have the origin story of the church, the beginnings of the church. You ever got interested in genealogy? You know, wanted to know where you came from. I got into that a little bit. I didn't have to do a lot of work. Some of my family had already done some uh, study there. And I was able to find out. I remember one day I found out through reading just some materials that there were multiple of my relatives that were buried in a cemetery outside New Edinburgh, Arkansas. And I just kind of got a wild hair on a Saturday uh, to go and check it out. So I was able to visit the burial place of my great, great grandfather, and then his dad, my great, great, great grandfather. And we have that in us to just want to know, like, where did I come from? How do I fit in this? And what the book of Acts does for us is teaches us that about the church, this blessed thing that we're a part of, the body of Christ, the church. Where did it come from? How did it get here? 
when did it happen and, and, and how do we fit into it? I told you that we would be moving into, you know, out of uh, the, the topical series that we were on back into uh, a book of the Bible, right? Going through a book of the Bible, a piece at a time, a verse at a time, a chapter at a time. And I absolutely have loved studying and teaching through books of the Bible in that way. Right. We went through the book of Luke. I looked back. We started in February of last year, of 2020, all the way up through we, we finished it in May of this year. Right. And it was a interesting journey. How many enjoyed that? Just the study on it together, taking time. It took some time. Right. It takes some commitment to do that. And, and I knew that after we finished that in May, we, we would. Uh, cover some topical things over the summer, but I knew that God was going to bring us back to a book. And I, I'm just being uh, open with you. I guess I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I'll always tell you the truth. Being a little bit more open with you, just, I, I just kept coming back to the book of Acts. And I looked at it and I'm, I'm knowing, God, this is another long book. Like, are you sure we couldn't just do like, some of these are five or six chapters. We could just do that. That would be, but I kept coming back to here and it was like, well, the book of Acts, God, there's a lot of things in there that people have kind of argued about through church history. There, there's different things that can come up, some topics that may be some wrestling points uh, for, for, for us. And yet I just kept coming back to it. Um, couldn't get away from the book of Acts. Like I said, even though it's uh, going to be challenging, I do believe that's going to be it's going to be fun. And of course, we'll uh, incorporate it with our Wednesday night study when we're not, you know, pulling questions out of the box. And sometimes we get a short question we just cover at the beginning and then we'll be able to we'll continue that walk through. Obviously, on Wednesday night, we can do a little bit more in-depth in discussion on some of the places that we'll cover on Sunday. And then we'll also be able to go into and give time to sections that maybe we didn't have time on Sunday and just had to be Summarize. So we're really going to spend some time there in, in depth and discussion. And all I would encourage you to do to, to be ready for that and to benefit from it is to read it. Okay. And I know you're like, well, you don't usually suggest read the Bible. I always, we obviously suggest that all the time. But, but read this. Re read it uh, with us. Read it together. Read it more than once. So that when you come in on Sunday or you come in on Wednesday, you're not just trying to jump into the middle of a movie that you've never seen before. Right. If you've not ever seen this show before, but that's what we're talking about. And we're talking about something that happened at, you know, minute 58. It's not going to it's not going to land much with you. But when you've read through this and you've seen the names and you've seen how the story flows, you're going to be able to position uh, your mind in there a lot more easily, right? So we're kicking that off today. Acts 1, 1, a little bit of an introduction. The, the first word there or letter is I. It says, I wrote. Who's the I? Who's doing the writing here in Acts 1? Well, the book of Acts doesn't attribute the author. Did you know that? It doesn't say, here's who wrote this. Neither do any of the four Gospels. They don't sign their name to the end of it and go, you know, this is from Matthew. Love to all the peeps. You don't have that. 
You don't say, hey, I was Luke or Mark, John. You didn't have that. And I believe a large part of it was they wanted the focus to be not on them, but on what they wrote through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But we, through historical study, it's almost unanimous that the writer of Acts was Luke, the same one who wrote the gospel of Luke. And now, even if you wanted to argue that, at minimum, you have to say the same person that wrote Luke wrote Acts because he's referring to what he wrote in Luke. And Luke was the traveling co-worker of Paul, who we'll get to, amazing story. Luke was a doctor. He was a Gentile. He was from outside the family of Abraham, outside of the children of Israel. The only Gentile to write a New Testament book. The only one like us who would have been an outsider. So it comes from a different perspective. And he says, I wrote... I wrote, I, I want to focus just real quick. When, when we read Acts, it is a historical narrative. There's a lot of different genres in the Bible. You've got poetry, you've got letters, you've got history, you've got gospels that are a, 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 an account of the life of Jesus Christ. You, you've got all of these, you've got prophecy, you've got all these different genres, types of writings, and Acts falls into historical narrative, or this is what happened. Fitting into a, a place and a time, this is what took place. Again, it's not a letter, it's not a poem, but he's saying this is what happened when the church was born. This is what took place at this point in time. It's a story of the early days of the church, church history, of its origins. And again, obviously, just like we believe about all scripture, inspired by God and useful for teaching, correction, rebuke, right? equipping us for righteousness, just as Paul would write later. But we want to know it's not simply just a timeline. Well, this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. Or, but but it's, it's a narrative. It's a story that's woven together, expertly crafted and, and beautifully put for our benefit. Put that way on purpose and, and, and with an agenda. The agenda was here's how the church began. Here's what happened. And, and I'll tell you, you're going to have in this text, in this book, in all of it, in the, in the whole of Scripture, but in this one, too, and maybe this one in a unique way, you're, you're going to have some tension in there. You're going to have some tension because when we're reading Scripture, we're trying to determine, is this descriptive or is it prescriptive? Is this just describing to me something that happened or is this prescribing to me a way of life and something that I should do? Right. And there's some differences there. You're like, what are you talking about? Well, you just think about in the book of Exodus, when God sent Moses before Pharaoh, he said, take your staff and throw it on the ground and it's going to become a snake. And then they'll know that there's some power behind what you're saying. And yet we're not prescribed to do that when we're having an issue with somebody and we're needing to prove that God you know, is behind what we're saying. We're not going and getting a stick and throwing it down and, and trying to make it turn into a snake. It's the difference between descriptive. This happened. This happened with Moses and prescriptive. Stephen, this is how you should live your life. This is something you need to take up personally. And so there's some differences there. And, and that's something that we're going to have much discussion about 
as, as we go through this. And they're both good and helpful for us, right? So there, there's going to be some tension there and there's tension in all of Scripture. And that's why we walk through it together. So he says, I wrote, and we talked about what it was that he wrote. It says, Luke, inspired of the Spirit, wrote this for Theophilus. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus. So who is Theophilus? It's who he says he's writing this for or who he's directing it to. And, the, and the, the quick answer is we don't know for sure. There's some theories about who Theophilus is. Some theorize that he is an actual physical person. That's a name that means uh, loved by God or lover of God. Theo, God, Philus, love, the Greek words, Theophilus. So some say, well, maybe he was actually a, a, a person in uh, the, the Roman infrastructure, an official in the Roman government. Maybe he was a patron of the missionary work that, that Paul was doing, somebody who gave to that mission. And this is more of a report back, like we got the letter from, from Pastor Alvin. This is an account of here's what is going on with what you've given. Maybe that was it. But again, it means lover of God or God love. So it could even be a code name for Christians who were in hiding at that time, who weren't wanting to be identified publicly in something in case it got picked up during transport. But, but what we can say for sure is that it was written to believers. It was written to the church about the church. Because it wasn't written to him only, but it was written to care for and encourage the church that Christ had birthed. And then we get into this next part. He said, Theophilus, in my first narrative, I wrote about, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do. All that Jesus began to do and to teach. And I just underlined that word began multiple times there in verse one. And I looked at a lot of other translations. Did they, was this any different? Are they going to see this different? Because I, I hate it when I, when I like really hammer in on a word and you're like, I don't even see that word at all. They're using something else in my translation that I have sitting in my lap. But when I looked at four, five, six of all the ones that I refer to regularly, all of them had that same word began. All that Jesus began to do and to teach. And that word being there to me points to something really big. Again, I, I looked through and, and all of them that I found that, that used that word, it translated that word began over and over. Began when you read in the gospel all that Jesus did and taught. What he's writing here is says that was the beginning. <clears throat> Meaning that continues on today. That's not stop. He's like, I wrote you about all that Jesus did. That would be past, meaning they would probably come to an end. We, we used to do that. We did that before. But when he said all that he began to do and to teach tells me what we read in the gospel of Luke was just the beginning was only the beginning of what would go forth and what would take place it implies that what Jesus did and what Jesus taught is continuing. So that's a big word to me there. That, that word 
began. Jesus began to do and to teach. What was he doing? What was he teaching? Remember in Luke 4, he said, I must go and proclaim the good news of the kingdom in all of these villages and everywhere around. I want to pro I'm going to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And Luke writes here in the beginning of Acts, I wrote all about that, what he began to do and to teach. So it didn't stop. It's continuing. What is about to be written is a continuation of what was already written. He says what he began to do and teach. I love this, too. Until the day he was taken up. He did and taught this until the day he ascended to heaven. That means when Jesus's feet were on the ground, he was about the ministry of the kingdom. He's like he did this until he was off of the earth. Until he returned to heaven, he ascended to the right hand of the Father on high. This is what he was doing, and this is what he was teaching. And so we notice that, that while he was here, that's what he was doing. But then the other part we notice is he gone. He said until he was taken up, he left. So if what he began to do and teach is continuing and he left... How's it going to continue? How's it going to continue? It says he ascended. Let me get back here. Okay. Till he was taken up. He ascended after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. Then in verse three, after he had suffered, that's the cross. He also presented himself to alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. We know he was crucified, dead, buried, rose from the dead on the third day, appeared to them. We read about that in Luke. Remember, he showed up in the room and they were all freaking out. And he was like, look, no, it's me, flesh and bone, me. I'm not a ghost. I am alive. It's me. Look, I'll eat some fish. I'll prove it to you. It's me. He said he appeared to them with many convincing proofs, because if you'll remember, Luke is about that investigation. He's about those interviews. He's going to find out what happened because he wasn't there and yet he wrote about it. And he was like, look, the proof is considerable and it is convincing. And it said Jesus was with them for 40 days, teaching them about the kingdom. So he was doing it until he was taken up, until he ascended. And it was something that was begun and going to continue. If he's leaving, how's it going to continue? Look down at verse four. We'll read four through eight together or at one in one piece. At least I won't make you read it out loud. While he was with them, Jesus, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about for John baptized with water, but you will baptize with the Holy Spirit in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Spirit, Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. 
So he's telling them as he's talking to them about the kingdom, he's like, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay here until the what the father promised has come. He said, because John, you heard me say John would baptize people with water, but you're going to be baptized, immersed, dunked in the Holy Spirit. You're going to be covered up. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you like a flood of water coming on someone being baptized. And then they asked him, he said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore? Look at that there in verse six. Are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? They're like, are you going to be the king? Are, you, are we going to, is this when we win? Are you going to continue what you started? You were dead. They killed you. You're alive right here. Do you know what all we could do with this? Right? Is this when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he was like, look, there's a lot of things it's not for you to know. Times that the father has lined out that are known to him are not going to be known to you. Basically telling them no, right? That it's not going to look like what you think it's going to look like. He said, but... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. Repeating what we read in Luke I'm in 24, when he told him, he said, it is written the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day. And then repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. This is in Luke 24. He said, you are my witnesses. I'm sending what my father promised. And he told him, you will be empowered from on high. Jesus began to implement the kingdom, to make the kingdom available to minister the kingdom and proclaim it. And he taught about it until the point he was taken up. But because again, he's not staying. He's going. And he told them, and we may talk about this, that it's going to be better for them if he goes, right? That's what he said. Because he said, if I don't go, the comforter won't come. He's not going to stay. But what he began, the proclaiming of the kingdom, the repentance of sin, in his name was going to be preached. How's it going to happen? Through spirit empowered disciples through the church. It's going to happen through the church. Some things you're going to see as we go through the book of Acts is that the church confirms and continues the message of Jesus, the gospel. The church is the confirmation of it. Look like the church exists because of the gospel. And it's the continuation, the carry, carrying forth of his gospel, his good news. Because he, he gave the instruction there in Jerusalem, which was local, Judea, which was close by Samaria, which are starting to get into some issues. And then to the ends of the earth, the whole earth. He was like, I'm not just going to sit on a throne in Jerusalem and be over this group of people. This is about the whole world. This is about, and we talked about that when we talked about why Jesus ascended, because if not, he'd just still be sitting in Jerusalem. We'd have to book an appointment to go see him and we might not ever get in. Right? When you think about that, it doesn't work. The church confirms and continues the message of the kingdom and the power of the gospel of Christ. 
Again, it's written to the church, the book of Acts, written to the church, about the church, to encourage, guess who? The church. Written to the church, about the church, to encourage the church. You're also going to see that the church has a mission. Just like Jesus it said, as long as he was here, this is what he was doing. Until he was taken up, the church has a task and a mission, tasked with something by the Savior. And then you're going to see the place and the power of this Holy Spirit. As they were in, in Honduras, a spirit the Santa, the Holy Spirit here at work on the earth through the church. Because he said the Spirit's going to come on you and give you power to do what? Be my witnesses. The book of Acts is going to be the origins of the church, the beginnings, like the genealogy. We're going back to great, 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 great grandpa. We're seeing how this was birthed out. It's in the book of Acts that you'll find the first time people were ever called Christians. That's always been a thing for us. This is where it started. And it was kind of a slur, which is interesting, right? And we just took it on. But in all this, as I get ready to wrap up today, it reminds me of what it says in Romans 11 and verse 36. It said, from him and through him and to him are all things. From him, because I'm thinking of it in the likeness of the church, it's from him, it's through him, he provides the power for it to operate, and to him, he gets the glory for anything that goes well. Amen. Are all things to him be the glory forever. Again, he made it. He provides the glue and the power that holds it together and pushes it forth in mission. He does that. He calls for the kingdom work that Christ began and made available to us to continue, to move forward not just here locally, but all the way to the ends of the earth by the power of the Spirit. That's why he told him, he said, the Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to receive power to be my witnesses. Why, was it, why were they going to need power? Lots of reasons, but main thing, not going to be easy. You're going to see them, see them deal with a lot of difficulty being a witness for Jesus Christ. And if they didn't have the Spirit, they would have quit and run. We saw them do that when Jesus got arrested, didn't we? He said, you're going to receive power to be witnesses of my what, what, what I have done and what I'm doing in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So I would encourage you. This is going to be fun. It's going to be challenging. And it's going to be fun. Amen. And again, read it. And then read it again. Take your time. We're going to be here for a little while. You're like, I know you broke that one sentence down like into three different points. It's not always going to be like that. It's not always going to be like that. But, but read it. Read it again. Study it with us. And, and here's what I would tell you. Read it like Theophilus. Read it as one who's just coming with love for God. Because too often we can come to the scripture to try to confirm what we've already been taught what our opinion already is, right? Which can be good. It can, be, it can encourage us. It can build us up. Or we can come to, to fight against what we've already been told. This is the threat. This is the problem. What are we going to do? And we come to it with those mindsets. 
And what I would encourage you to do is set aside presuppositions to go, I've already, or, or, or prejudices, which means I've already prejudged. That's what prejudice means. I've prejudged this, and I'm, I'm only going to look at it one way. And, and set that aside when you're, even if you take it right back up. I'm not one of those who's like, look, empty your mind of everything. We need to just forget everything we ever learned and just come as a brand new. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying be malleable when it comes to things that are only your opinion or only things that somebody told you. Because if we don't come to the scripture willing to change when we, when we interact with it, what are we coming for? We're not going to get any better. But we, if we're not perfect right now, then we need to be malleable when we come to the scripture. We need to give it the authority to instruct us and not it, us tell it what we're going to receive from it. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. But we just want to back up, let the scripture teach and train and equip and encourage and send us, like Paul told us, that it's empowered to do by the inspiration of God. It's literally breathed on by God. That's why it's alive. That's why it works. That's why it's still carrying on this many years later. Amen. So Acts is the origin of the church, and it's going to be a blessed journey for us. Again, what Jesus began, and I'm, we can get all into it. His work is completed. But the ministry that comes forth out of that is continuing. What he did is sealed. And we're not needing to put him back up there. But we're carrying that good news forward into the whole earth. He's like, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to tell people what I have already accomplished for them so that they might believe. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning... As we close, as, as we do regularly, I want us to receive communion together. Uh, so, Andrew, if you'll come up, you can play. Um, this was one of the appearings that we talked about, right? This is one of the times that Jesus shows up in our life or we can see him in action in our life is when we meet him at the table with the cup and the bread. Just like he met his disciples at the Passover and he took a cup and he took some bread and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is the new covenant in my blood, which is being made available to you. Amen. So we're going to receive that together this morning. Uh, Landon, you and Tyler want to help pass this out for me? You know, the question comes up sometimes, well, who can receive, who can participate when we do it here, it's every believer that would come to the table, right? If you're not a believer in Christ, you can let that pass from you. But every believer that would come to the table can receive today. Now, if you hold a different view on that, and it would violate your conscience to receive with us today. Hey, let it pass. Let it pass. But I would encourage you that we could, this is something given to us from him so that we are mindful, Right? What was yesterday's date? 9-11, right. And you hear that, we talk about a lot on that day, we don't want to forget. We want to remember that this happened. 
And I was thinking on it when I realized, man, it's the 20th anniversary of 9-11. That means there's 20-year-olds that weren't even coming up, I guess, starting today. 20-year-olds that weren't even alive when it happened. Which means I got probably 25-year-olds walking around who have no memory of it, right? And so why are we doing it? Because there's going to come a time where the people who were impacted by it directly aren't right there. And that was what happened with the Passover, right? God said, I'm instituting this for you because this generation of people that I'm dealing with is going to one day be gone. And your kids are going to be here and they're not going to even know what I did to deliver them out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery and into the promised land that I won a battle over the great, one of the greatest nations in the world at the time without swinging a sword. And I did it for their good and my glory. They're not going to know about it. He said, so I want you to do this and I want you to do it annually. And he said specifically, when your kids ask, why are we doing this? What are we doing this for? You're going to be able to tell them. Without him, we'd be slaves. Without him, we'd be lost. Without him, we would have no hope. But God, when we were weak, was strong for us. When we had nothing, he gave us everything. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I believe that's the heart. Just it has to be the heart because that was his heart about the Passover and his heart doesn't change. He doesn't want us to forget. He wants us to be mindful that our sin was dark enough that it required the cross. Blood had to be shed on our behalf so that we could have life in him. Amen. And it's in remembrance of him that we do it. So I know y'all may already have your feel that top back for your wafer, your sun bread, and then the next one to open the cup. And I want to pray over it, bless it, and we'll receive it together. Amen. Just bow your heads with me. Father, we, we take this time here to remember you. To remember our Savior, Jesus Christ, whose body was broken for us and whose blood was poured out for us so that we could be made whole. He gave his life so that we might receive it. And we don't ever want to forget what he endured on our behalf and what it purchased for us. He interposed his precious blood to pay a debt that we could not pay. And he rose on the third day to show that his payment was sufficient. So as we hold the bread in our hand, Father, thank you that Jesus is the bread of life. And in him we find true fulfillment that you give us this day the bread that we need, the life in Him that we need for today, that we, we're able to receive that because of what He did, that He gave Himself for us so that we could be with Him. And we partake of the bread together in Jesus' name. Father, as we take the cup, Christ took it and said, this is the new covenant established in his blood. 
the covenant promise that you stood on one side and said, here is what I will do. And here's what I'm giving to show you how much I mean it. And you gave his precious blood on our behalf. Our new covenant doesn't require those repetitive annual sacrifices which didn't cleanse sin but just touched on the conscience. He poured out His blood to, sa to save us from the fear of death and the penalty of sin. To deliver us from its power and to one day deliver us from its even its presence in life and in the world. Father, thank You for the precious blood of life that Christ poured out for us and we receive it together in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blessing of the communion table where you meet with us. You feed us and you satisfy our hearts and you remind us how great you have loved us, though we didn't deserve it. You were gracious. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name.